0: Hey, welcome to The Weekly, where we talk about this weekend's sermon and apply it to your real life lived, Monday through Friday. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas Milburn, with my good friend, Jay Ewing. Jay, hi. How's it going? Pretty good. Living the La Vida life, my friend. Something. We we started a new series on Sunday. Yeah. So I'm really excited to jump into a conversation with you. Yeah, we have a great series
1: starting here at Calvary called Battle Ready. It's Ephesians 6. If you don't know about it
0: yet, you want to jump in, catch up already, but uh, it's a great series. And we have a good guest with us today, the one and only senior pastor, Tom Shirk. Tom, yeah. welcome back, my friend.
2: Oh, thank you. We,
0: we bring, had, Yeah, we bring Tom in when we know there's going to be like heavy questions.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's, but it's, that's Tom. <laughs> hey, before we get there, we got some Calvary news. We're celebrating today on this Tuesday because of what happened. What God did at the women's retreat this past weekend? We had over 130 women attend the women's retreat. 15 of those were online, and 115 were in person. Safe, safe and simple, but it was a great, great event. Women got away, met with the
0: Lord. Sounds like a really like fun time. Yeah, you and, and your wife Kristen. Yeah. Capitalized on the weekend. Oh, this totally. is where I like. I like the creativity here because it was. You know, on the campus. Right. And normally you go away to the mountains. Right. But what did, what did her group of gals do? They, they uh, checked into some hotels yeah. that, night,
1: that night of the retreat. They went out to dinner. They hot tub. They goofed off. They slept in and had all the dads bring the kids to church. Nice. That's the way <laughs> it should be. It is brilliant. You know, that's a hard Sunday for a dad to turn around, you know, to like get the kids dressed in church appropriate oh attire. The bar is low, man. <laughs> yeah. The bar is low. It's okay. Hey, you know, the first year I did that, and I had a, my oldest is a daughter. So I brought in a hairbrush and a tie, and I found the first woman on staff who was around the building. And I said, help me put a ponytail <laughs> on this lady.
0: That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it man. Was, man. <laughs> Now I'm a professional. So, yeah. Okay. So I can see early on. Yeah. Early your dad on. your like, yeah, dad yeah. career. We're both bald. So we have like limited experience with hair anyway. <laughs> yeah, no doubt let alone like it's been a long
1: time since i got a haircut my friend i could buzz your head dear (laughs) no thanks hey but also some calvary news coming up we have the high school local retreat the famous the infamous iron man is coming up this march so you want to go to calvarybible.com slash events get your high schooler plugged in to what's happening this spring break High school local retreat. Also, Easter registration is open. Woohoo. How are you excited for Easter gentlemen? Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Oh yeah, man. If I reserve my spot, I'm going to all the services. <laughs> that's good. I'm on glad the Eerie Campus. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be on
1: all the boulder ones. That's good. You can go to Calvarybible.com. Easter egg experience is here as well. There's information there. And then also in Calvary Kids, we are looking for disciple makers. You know, that's just not child care. We never consider child care on a a given weekend it is we're looking for disciple makers who want to jump in and disciple the youngest attenders of Calvary. So you can go to Calvarybible.com, reach out to your campus specific director or coordinator who oversees Calvary Kids. Tell them, hey, I'm in to making disciples because that's what we're about. We're praying for you. We're praying for laborers uh, in that ministry specifically and we look forward to seeing or hearing how you jump in. So go to Calvarybible.com for all that information. Slash events. Those are all the events page. You'll find all that you need to know there and more. And then also, just another plug. If you go to slash battle ready, you can see this awesome map of all the preaches that are going to happen in March at Calvary.
0: That was a lot of plugs, man. I know, man. We're not even, like, paid to say those things. <laughs>
1: We're not. And I don't get
0: any, yeah, I don't get you. Those any. are not brought to you by ESV Bibles. For all you do, this Bible's for you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, but we got Tom in the house. Tom, it's great. I mean, this it is just a great start to the series. Ephesians six. You know, that's one of those texts you like you look up and you're reading, you're like, what is he gonna say? Where are we gonna go? But we were in Ephesians six, ten through twenty. Uh here on the Erie campus, we read it out loud as a, a congregation, which was really meaningful and cool. Um, we're in the series Battle Ready. And so the question I guess I got for you right off the bat is what are you most prayerful in a season when you know like a sermon series like this is happening at Calvary?
2: Well, the season that we're in and have just traveled through has been challenging in many ways. The Christian life is challenging in many ways. It's, it's hard to um, live in a world that doesn't uh, see or believe in the presence of God, the reality of God, and, um, and follow Christ. And in the challenges that we've had over the last year, it's probably been even more so a difficult season to keep our focus on the Lord. But all those difficulties press us in to do just that. And for the Christian who understands the Bible, we come to understand there really is a spiritual dynamic at play. So there is a deep sense that what I was hoping for most is that we would um, awake as a people and realize it's not a game that we're in, we really are in something of a battle, not against people, not against society, not against politics, but against spiritual forces in heavenly places that seek to erode our faith and compromise our life. We're all subject to the temptation of that. So this is a very crucial um series for us because we could all stumble in many ways, and the Lord is there to give us the resources to be victorious. So that's my my prayer.
1: Yeah, that's a great prayer, and uh, what a great series for this season that we find ourselves in. What do you think is the most daunting when you talk about these things in your own personal life? You, know, you talk about spiritual forces, things at play, realms that we do not see on our everyday life. What do you think is daunting as the preacher, as the senior pastor of Calvary, to negotiate or to answer certain questions or Check boxes to let people know. Okay, know, well, what's going on?
2: In, in one, on the one hand, as soon as you begin to talk about spiritual things and that there really is an enemy and he's against God and against us, um, you know, you're in one sense sort of stirring the pot and yep. like you become immediately more subject to vulnerability or temptation yourself, and so you have to fortify your own heart. I've been trying to do that, and then secondly. These ideas are distinctly Christian ideas and are not currently found as a reality for most people who don't know what the Bible says and assume that there really is no—we shared the statistic that four out of ten Christians don't really believe Satan is a real being, but only a symbol of evil, and uh, it's much worse than the general population of people who are not—do not understand the Bible, so— as soon as you talk about this, you know, people go, ooh, doo, what what is he talking about? Right. Um, so just helping people understand what is real in the realm that we can't see, that is always happening, and how can you be ready to live for Christ in this realm?
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a staggering statistic when you talk about 40% of Christians believe that Satan's just a symbol. So, Thomas, what do you think led to that decline? Why are we there? why are like believers in that large population so susceptible to believing that?
0: Well, I I don't know why the reason would be for each individual believer. I think there's like a culmination of things that have probably led to people's disbelief in Satan. Primarily, number one, I would just say that's probably a tactic of his in the modern world. I mean, Tom shared the story on the online message about being in Haiti, um, and looking at the spiritual influences and the demonic possessions there, and then not seeing them materialize in the same way in the States. And a long-term missionary who's been there both between Haiti and um, in America had just made the observation, you know, Satan has different tactics. And with comforts and luxuries and leisure, um, he can lure people away from their relationship with God. And so if he's doing well in those spheres, I don't know why he necessarily needs to reveal himself in such ways that people would again believe in him. If you don't believe in an enemy who's messing with your life, you're guaranteed to lose. And we talked about that on Sunday of, if no one believes in Satan, no wonder he's just accumulating victory after victory uncontested. I think the other sense of it is as modern, especially Western moderns, um, we begin to have an inaccurate picture of who Satan is based on Popular media, or even artistic renditions of who Satan was, beginning with like Dante's Inferno and this idea with Greek mythology, how Satan has been adapted over time to fit really non biblical pictures of who he is. You think red, gruesome, horns and hooves, which is probably not necessarily how it's described as a beautiful angelic being of beauty and light, um, perhaps even holding the name of Lucifer, which like just gorgeous and. You just don't, you don't picture him that way. And so you quickly dismiss him because of an inaccurate picture that's not true of him anyway. And so you're dismissing that picture and not being willing to replace it with an accurate picture that we see described in the, in the scriptures.
2: Absolutely. Uh, One of which says he uh, disguises himself like an angel of light. Right. So, um, you know, he's the great deceiver. Yeah. yeah. So you look in culture and you think, man, that's that's so beautiful, or that's
0: so alluring, or that's so tempting. I, I wouldn't believe in Satan. I I see these things, and you're thinking, yeah, there's a there's a spiritual force behind that, an energy behind that that's drawing you in. That's part of the spiritual battle. Yep. Yeah. One of the most interesting things out of your message,
1: Tom, for me was these three little uh, things you had. At, what is the way to face the battle of today? What are the ways we face them? Uh, the, this battle, and you said our position in Christ, recognizing our weakness and firming up our faith. Um, and let's, get, let's draw down to a, I think this one is specifically is our position in Christ because it gives us a broad scope of what's going on in the letter to the Ephesians. What Paul's trying to do and connect the dots as he closes the book. Um, what do you What do you see at play here with Ephesians six and the rest? of the book of Ephesians.
2: Well, so one word to your listening audience, which I know is a a spiritually astute group Mm -hmm. of people who listen to this podcast every week, but if you want to study the book of Ephesians and search for this phrase, in the heavenly places, it's repeated about four times in the book, and most of the time it's referring to Christ or our position in Christ in the spiritual realm. That was in Paul's mind when he wrote the book because he really, particularly in the first three chapters of the book, wanted the believers in the city of Ephesus to know that they held a distinct spiritual status and position with God because of their faith in Christ. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in the spiritual realm, in the realm where God is king, ruler, and that's who we are in Christ. We lose sight of it because of some of earth's travails, Um, but I think Paul was trying to get people, understand who you are spiritually, understand who you are in Christ, understand what it means to be fully forgiven, fully adopted, chosen before the foundation of the world, completely uh, redeemed of your sin, and headed in a new direction. So chapter 4 says, walk worthy of the calling to which you were called. You you were called by God, you have a new lifestyle, and it's not the old way, it's a new way. And the battle for every Christian is, do I live a new way? Am I living the new way, or am I slipping back?
1: Yeah, a very easy pastoral step in someone's life through this series would be, start reading the book of Ephesians over and over again. You know, we've talked about that even with you in the room here, Tom, uh, before about how to go back to those scriptures and read them over and over, especially in a series like this, because you're going to see a lot more dots connect mm-hmm. as we journey in this conversation of Ephesians six. Absolutely. So, you know, as, as the people of Calvary, that's a great way to go to BibleGateway.com, Listen to the text. Maybe when you're, sweeping up the kitchen floor, or dusting, or vacuuming, or you're on a drive, use your your version, go to uh, your best translation, your favorite translation, let it read to you over and over again, wake up reading it, go to bed reading it, Um, you're going to be blessed with how many times Ephesians 6 is connected to the book of Ephesians, obviously.
0: Well, it's the end of it. I mean, you think... One of the words that we didn't pay too much attention to on Sunday, which we would if we were doing Ephesians as a Mark It Up series, is as he's opening up the armor of God, it's finally, brother. So it's built on something. So you're standing firm in a faith. You're standing firm in an accomplishment. You're standing firm in the blessings of the heavenly places. So finally, this is after the culmination of who you were, who you are, what Christ has done, given you his spirit, brought you out of following the sons of disobedience that's, that's now at work finally like it, you know it's built on something it's just it doesn't begin the book it ends the book yeah totally and let's jump actually
1: into that we had someone ask a question tom you had this in your own home group about the armor of god and sort of reflections about how to uh appreciate and just take great comfort in knowing we've been given the armor of god
2: yeah So it wasn't my home group, but it was uh, Dave on the Boulder campus wrote me a great question. Um, And he said, we had it in our home group, but the crux of the question is the degree that withstanding the evil day is a function of God's armor versus the degree to which it's about our human efforts to resist having stronger faith or more righteousness by our living and uh, Dave's question is a great one. Like, what, it, what is it, God's armor, or is it our working? And he answered the question, I think, in a great way. He said, I think our personal efforts shape our walk with God. Uh, we've been taught that at Calvary all these years. Uh, but if we're facing the cosmic powers of the present darkness, he goes on, I'm going to grasp God's armor and call on his name Um not flatter myself to thinking that I can sway the battle with my efforts. Uh, I'm not sure I can improve upon the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness out in my workshop. I love that <laughs> statement. So um, the, the, the question is, that, that was in the life group questions, like how's your armor? And he said maybe the better question is, uh, actually, it's not my armor, it's God's armor, so let's put that on. And I love the way he framed that. So what I would say to the crux of this question is, what part's ours, what part's God? Well, there is a sense in standing firm in what we know God has done for us, put on his armor of the truth, faith, etc. And there is a part in which we play to resist the devil, to uh, step into the habits that lead us to follow Christ closely, um, it maybe is what Paul said when he said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for God is at work in you. Uh, there's a part for both, but the admonition, at least here in Ephesians 6, is get your armor on. Get God's armor on. And that starts with truth. And, you know, we underscored this on Sunday, that if you have the truth of God, you're able to undo the power of every lie of the enemy, and that's that's his skill. I mean, that's what he wants to do is to lie.
1: Yeah. And that's a good segue into what we're going to be preaching on this month with the themes of pride, suffering, bitterness. These are schemes. These are how to, we need the truth
0: to sort of undo these lies that we're believing. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So Paul writes in second Corinthians chapter 10, verse three, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war against the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not the of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And I so appreciated Tom your connection on Sunday, and as we talked about even in Erie, that some of the lies are very obvious because um, they they go directly against what God has said. And we talked about that on Sunday. Like this is where we're dismantling lofty opinions, strongholds. These are the lies of the devil as a deceiver saying, God said this about you, and the devil is saying this. Or you hear this energy of of a cultural idea or a, a modern opinion about the family or masculinity or femininity. As well as there's twisting of his words. And so this is where our spiritual warfare, kind of going back to, you know, is it God's or is it ours? It's God's word, it's God's strength, it's God's power. But we should be aware of what God has said, what God has given us, what he's resourced us with, so that we can actually dismantle, expose, reveal where these are lies, assaults, directly against the truth, the knowledge of God that he has revealed to us.
2: Mm -hmm. And I think if we're looking forward for where we're going over the next three weeks, um, we're going to take real specific examples um, that almost everybody goes through Um, one is on the ascendancy of pride in the heart of a person, maybe who gets put into a position of prominence or leadership or prosperity before they're ready. And the tendency can be to become too proud of yourself and forget God. Um, the next one is going to be on what we all experience. We all go through life's travails and sufferings. And the first Peter passage that really specifically references Satan is when you suffer, The lie is God doesn't know what's going on, or he isn't able to stop it, or he doesn't really love you. And we've all thought, where's God in my suffering? And the question that comes into our mind in that moment is a lie of the devil. God can't help me, obviously, otherwise I wouldn't still be here. Or he doesn't, he could help me, but he doesn't love me, and so I'm still suffering. And Peter addresses that. that that's, that's such a great passage. And then the third one that we all experience is every one of us, every one of us get hurt by people. People have hurt us. They've let us down. They've sinned against us. They've, um, it's just been wounding. And in that moment, we have the opportunity to either learn how to forgive or become Bitter. And that window of decisiveness is the window of opportunity that the Bible says Satan can exploit for his benefit to ruin a person's faith if they will not forgive. Now, I love that we're going to look at all these themes because they're crucial to having um, you know a life with Christ. He forgave, so we forgive. You know, he was humble, so we're humble. He suffered, we suffer. What we're really talking about is walking closely with Christ, all the while knowing an enemy is trying to move us off on, on a different track.
1: Yeah, that's a great summary of what's coming. I'm looking forward to it. Let's let's talk jump into some of the questions. We we love the weekly uh, audience. We love it when they write into us. We we get excited when we see those emails. So if you ever want to write into us, it's the weekly at Calvarybible.com. And over this series, this is a great time for you to have your questions answered by writing in, and we we listen to them. We we don't get to all of them. Uh, we get to some of the ones that maybe we're better equipped to answer, and the other ones we just give back to Tom to answer uh, later down the road. But hey, you know it's worth it. But uh,
2: the Bible Answer Man, yeah, yeah.
1: But uh, this one came in about sort of the survey we did about how the Bible validates that Satan's a real being and we got to Job, and there's a really interesting passage in Job 2 about the sons of God. So this person says, can you give a little more background on why this, quote, sons of God were presenting themselves before God in Job 2, and who are the sons of God in this passage? So Thomas, some reflections of reading Job 2? Yeah, I think we can tag team this
0: one. Uh, Sons of God is often a title to angelic hosts because God created them directly, so they're God's sons, um, you see this. Even talking about the sons of God back in Genesis chapter six, um, and so there's this a picture of this angelic council that God calls into order um, to give reports. And so, what this is a picture of of this divine angelic council that God brings into His own throne in His courtrooms.
2: Absolutely, yeah, they're angelic beings um, who carry out. Yahweh's will and purposes in the world and they have to come and answer and give an account to God. And there's a beautiful imagery of that that every angelic being, elect and God-loving or demonic and God-hating, have to give an account to God. They're not this is not a dualistic power of good and evil. Every creature ever created, including Satan and all of his hosts, have to answer to God and are accountable to him. So the sons of God coming before God is is like a council, and you see some organizational structure in the angelic hosts, even in the passage we read last week when uh, Paul said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, and uh, spiritual forces; those, those perhaps is a way of thinking about a hierarchy or structural within the spiritual realm, angelic, evil realm.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Now, another listener wrote this in a few weeks ago, so they've been they've been really patient with us in getting to this question. But the the crux of their question is: if other believers can help us recognize God's voice and see His truth, how do you, we know if a believer's not entirely reliable. So their question really revolves around, do we, what are sort of the safeguards we can put in our lives to listen to the proper voices and to, you know, distinguish between the voices of God, someone called by God and like a false teacher or um, some rabbit trail type of voice?
0: Yeah. You know, in today's culture, there are so many voices because like this podcast shows, Everybody's got a microphone and access to the World Wide Web. And so sometimes it seems a bit daunting to kind of slug your way through a variety of voices and a variety of Christian quotes, air quotes, you can't see me doing that, uh, of Christian voices. So a couple key indicators are, do they make much of Christ? Are they calling you to dwell in him, repent, repent? bring yourself before him, bear your cross, put your eyes on him. Um, The Christian voices that are more motivational speakers uh, are the ones that are trying to point you to your own strength. You can build yourself up. God's best life for you now. Um, The the real Christian voices that we want to listen to are the ones that are calling us to do the things that Jesus called us to, to abide in him, to Demonstrate that we belong to him in our love for one another. To demonstrate we belong to him as we obey his commandments. To pick up our cross and follow him daily. To delight in him. To have a prayer life um, through him to the Father. Those are good indications. So we want to test all the teachers out there. We want to test all the spirits out there. Do they affirm Jesus is the Son of God? Jesus is the Christ? And then, you know, you really want to base, once you start discovering maybe who some of those reliable voices are, those might also confirm other voices that they would agree with or that they would do ministry with or they would speak with. And that kind of gives you a little bit of a network of voices that you might be willing to listen to. But in all things we say, we want to be Berean, right? We want to be able to test what has been said against the scriptures. That's why the Bereans were noted is because they received it with all eagerness, but then went and tested to see if what they had heard was true against the scriptures. Yeah. And if you want to read about the Bereans, go to Acts 17.
1: That's where you'll find that statement. Tom, any reflections?
2: Um, yeah, examining the scriptures every day to see if these things are true. That that was the Bereans. And 1 John describes every Christian as having an anointing so that you don't need anyone to teach you. That was John's way of saying, and yet he was teaching them. Right. So we do need teachers, but every Christian should really pray and ask God, Holy Spirit, help me to know this is true. There are many false teachers in the world today. In fact, 1 John says there are many Antichrists who have gone out into the world. But besides being totally Antichrists, there are many misled uh, teachers who are misleading Christians all around us. In fact, just last week, somebody gave me a book and said, I heard about this study happening and I uh, think you should look, read this book. So I started reading the book um, this week, actually. I read a couple chapters and it uh, was written by someone who immediately you could tell she hates the church. Okay, guess what? Jesus loves the church, right? He, he loves the church. He gave himself up for the church. And I haven't found too much beyond her tone that I've found I disagree with yet, but I can tell she has an axe to grind about how much she dislikes church. Well, I love church. I, I love being a part of the church. I know the church is Christ's hope for the world, um, so I, I read human authors with a, a discerning, pray for discernment as I read that and say, "What, where is it written in the scriptures that affirms what this person is affirming? And if it's not, I need to be able to discern and, and then decide what, what is and is not true. So if you're struggling with a study that you're in and it's not uh, lining up with the scriptures, then stop. You know? Yeah. And whatever happened to just having Bible studies around the scriptures instead of some human author, you know, I, I think we would be a lot deeper in our spiritual faith and and probably wouldn't have lost the clear theological grounding that there is a Satan, for example, as we've been talking about, if the the majority of our reading was saturated in the actual words of God. Yeah.
1: That's why we encourage all life group, home groups, to be biblical communities on mission. We want to be around the Bible. That's It should be the authority in our lives. And it's the only way in which God actually, I think, moves in really powerful ways is when the people of God submit to God and God's word, and that's when he does his best work. It's all over Scripture, but it's all over just human life as well. All right, guys, thanks for the conversation this week. It's been really good. I'm super thankful for your time here today in the podcasting booth. Tom, thanks for being with us. It's my pleasure. Looking forward to this series in Ephesians 6. It's going to be a great one. Battle ready. You want to go to calvarybible.com. Battle ready. There's discussion guides. There's the sermon guides. Um, It's just going to be a great resource page,
0: landing page in this series. Thomas, any further reflections for anyone at Calvary? Oh, it's going to be a great series. Um, Be prayerful in it. Be steadfast and standing firm in the strength of the Lord. Um, if we're engaging in this battle, we might be getting attacked by some schemes in the next three to four weeks that are unlike the weeks before. So be prepared. Don't be caught off guard.
1: Yeah, and you can go to calvarybible.com. Submit a prayer request. If something's going on in your life this season, especially in this series, let us know. We would love, I would love to be praying for you and what's going in your world. So calvarybible.com, prayer requests there. Fill one out. All right, guys. Happy Tuesday. Let's get ready for some snow maybe this week. 50 inches, I here. <laughs> get out those old snowblowers. Go buy bananas at the Erie Supermarket.